Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello and welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I am coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. We are on day three of our trip. We're here with family and we've been having so much fun today playing games and getting reacquainted, going to the beach and enjoying some much needed family time. We didn't get to see family a lot during the pandemic and so it's fun to reconnect. And I've also had lots of time to really process questions that many of you have asked about the podcast last week. We talked about internal family systems therapy last week, and there were multiple of you that said that you had tried to contact some of your exiles, some of these pieces of you that hold the pain from trauma or attachment wounds in your childhood, and that you felt a lot of resistance. Some of you said you felt like you shut down and you slept a lot. Some of you said you felt like you got really frustrated with yourself. Some of you said you cried and cried and cried. And just know that this is evidence of all of our protector parts coming to protect these very vulnerable pieces of ourself. And you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't mess it up. You didn't misunderstand. When we try to connect to these sensitive pieces of ourselves that are holding the pain from our childhood trauma, and when we are trying to work with them, we don't have exiles without also having managers and firefighters that protect those exiles. And during today's podcast, we're going to be talking about those parts of ourselves as protectors. Because they are also child parts of ourself, but they've been assigned the role to keep that painful part of ourselves exiled from the consciousness, but also to really try to manufacture a life in such a way that those exiled parts of us are not triggered or put into pain anymore. And so trying to contact those parts of ourselves, trying to integrate them and get curious with them makes the protector parts of ourselves really uncomfortable and anxious. And they have all kinds of tools in their toolbox in order to shut down the conversation, distract us, and move us away from those exiled parts of ourselves. So today we're going to focus on working with our protectors. Because in order to get to the trauma wounds and the pain and the attachment wounds, we have to befriend our protector parts first. They're our first line of defense. So we're going to go to them, identify them, befriend them, and work with them and begin to have compassion for those parts of ourselves so that as they begin to trust us more, they're going to trust us with that wounded child part of ourself, the exile that holds the trauma, the pain, the emotion, the memory of whatever it is that happened. 
and whatever stories we created during that memory or that event and whatever assumptions we began to make about the world and how it works and our place in the world. So know that today, as we're talking about these six Fs, as they're called, these six processes that we can engage in to get to know the parts of ourselves and work with them, these are going to work best with our protectors. So with our managers and our firefighters. And this is actually wonderful because managers and firefighters are usually the easiest for us to detect. They have behaviors. They're the ones that we typically are like, I don't understand why I do this thing or I think this thing or I engage in this pattern. I don't understand why I sabotage myself in this way. Whenever we're feeling that way, like the adult part of me feels this way, but something keeps getting in the way. I keep feeling resistance. I keep engaging in behaviors that are opposite of what I know to do. Chances are there's a protector at play there that is trying to keep this wounded child part of us safe. And they engage in behaviors that they believe are going to help us avoid pain or further trauma or further attachment wounds. But because things have changed since our childhood, at the very least, you have changed. You've grown. You're more capable. You can provide for yourself financially. You can give yourself food. You can get out of the way of abusive people. You can move into space that is safe. You can leave relationships that are not healthy for you, and you can create relationships that are healthy for you. So there's a lot that you can do now that you're a grown adult that you weren't able to do as a child. And so some of these operating systems that these parts of you are operating from, these assumptions that they make about the world and how it has to work to keep you safe, they're outdated because you have grown. But the chances are you're also surrounded by a different environment. There's different people in your immediate surroundings. You may be in a completely different physical environment. You may be in a different socioeconomic bracket. There may be opportunities available to you that weren't available to you when the trauma or attachment wound happened. And so a lot has changed. So what we're doing today is we are opening safe space for these parts to talk to us and learning to sit with them and to help them feel comfortable until they feel safe enough to open up to us and tell us more. There is going to be a part of you that wants to rush this process, that wants to demand or push through the consent of these different parts of you. And just when you start feeling that, Notice that that also is a protector part. And you are allowed to acknowledge that protector part and say, look, I know that you feel like we need to push through this, but we're going to be patient. We're going to sit with this. We're going to continue to be curious and non-judgmental. We're going to open up space of empathy for this part and help it to feel safe. Remember, you are dealing with a child part of yourself that at one point in time felt very unsafe for one reason or another. And the more we can sit with that part and give it the safety that it craves, the more it's going to relax and open up. These parts were all created as a defense mechanism. So the more safety we can create, 
by listening, by using empathy and compassion, by getting curious, and by being non-judgmental, the more we can open up that space, the more those parts of us will relax and be able to talk with us and tell us information. As long as they're on the defensive, you're not going to get the information that you want. I want you to think about relationships that you have. Relationships with the parts inside of yourself work very much the same as a relationship with any other person. People don't just open up to you and tell you their most painful parts. We hide parts of ourselves. We keep things secret. We put on a mask. Your parts will do the same thing with you. Until they feel safe, they're going to have on their armor. So we're creating safe space for these pieces of ourselves letting them know that we're here to get to know them, that we want to know them, and that this can move on their time frame. And we're cool with that. We're not here to pressure them. We're not here to judge them or rush them. We're just here to create safe space to get to know them and to let them know that they're not alone. And we would like to become friends with them if that's something that they would like. And Thinking of these pieces of ourselves as these little like personalities or these little people inside of ourselves actually makes it easier for our brain to converse with them. If we think of them as more nebulous ideas or if we think of them as just an emotion or just an experience, it makes it harder for us to communicate because our brains are wired to communicate with other beings, with other people. So thinking of these parts as actually little people with their own personality, their own perception of how the world works, their own age even, can really help us build relationships with these different parts of ourselves and eventually integrate them into our sense of self and have this more whole feeling inside of ourselves like we are all put together. And that's what I want for all of us. So today we're going to be talking about a process called the six F's, and I'm going to be drawing from therapist Alessio Rizzo's work. They have a website called Therapy with Alessio that has a lot of information about internal family systems and how to integrate the different parts. Highly recommend their website if you would like some worksheets on how to do this and some further guidance. All right, so the very first stage is all about locating our target. That's what we're going to call it. It is the subpersonality, the part inside of ourselves that we want to work with first. And we're going to target this part and really get to know it, take some time to build a relationship. And the first thing that we have to do in order to target a part is to find what we're looking for. Is there a behavior that we have that we feel is problematic to living life the way we want to? So is there something that you're doing that you don't want to be doing anymore? And maybe it's a habit you've been trying to break or some examples of this might be like turning to high salt or high fat or high sugar foods when you're feeling really stressed and like emotionally eating your feelings. Or it might be like piling too much work on your plate. You maybe notice that you say yes to too many things 
And even though you've decided I'm not going to do that and you're even pausing and taking time, you still find yourself with too many things and feeling really anxious or stressed. Or maybe you're having just anxiety that is happening all of the time. You just feel anxious even when logically you're like, there's nothing to feel anxious about. You feel anxiety. Or it might be like a depressed feeling that's always kind of with you or with you frequently. Or it might be a behavior like nagging your significant other to do things. Or it might be like gossiping about someone behind their back. Noticing what the behavior is that you would like to change. What is it that feels like is problematic in living the life that you want to live? And just start there and get curious with that behavior. Another way that we might find a target is by just noticing, doing a body scan. So sitting in a quiet place, starting at the top of your head and allowing your focus to drop down and notice where the tension lives. Do you have tension in your throat or your shoulders or your heart area or in your limbs, your stomach or in your sexual organs or somewhere in your legs? Where does the tension live? Is there tension in one part of your body more than the rest? Is there anything in or around your body that doesn't fully feel like it is you? That's kind of an interesting feeling to work with. As you're body scanning, is there tension or is there something there that feels foreign? It's in you or around you, but it doesn't feel like it's you. It's something else. Is there an emotion or set of thoughts that come to the forefront? When you get quiet with yourself, what comes to the forefront? This was one of the places I started. I noticed that anytime I gave myself idle time to just think, so when my hands were busy, like when I was doing dishes or I was gardening or I was driving but my mind was idling, This was the time that some of the parts of myself would speak the loudest. I would have thoughts, repetitive thoughts that would come to mind or repetitive emotions. This was when my anger would come out. This was when some of my resentments would come out. This is when I would ruminate on arguments I had had or when I would replay old hurts with my parents or my grandparents or even my husband. It was happening when my mind was quiet but my body was busy. So pay attention during those times as well. Is there an emotion or set of thoughts that continues to come to the forefront of your mind? Pay attention to that. This is just a time to get curious and to notice what's coming up so that we can engage in the next step, which allows us to get to know this part of ourselves a little bit better. The next step is focus. So you're going to spend time focusing attention on that part. Where is it in the body? As we sit with and we focus on this part that's making itself known to us, it gives it space and time to show itself. It's going to be important to keep reminding ourselves during this time to come back to paying attention to what is happening inside because we may have patterns of dissociation that we have engaged in for years. So during this time, we're going to focus our attention on that bundle of thoughts 
or on that bundle of feelings or on that place in our body that has tension or on that behavior that we continue to repeat. We're just going to let our minds focus there and we're going to sit in curiosity and give that part of us open space to talk with us. But what's going to happen is because we've been trying to exile these parts of ourselves from consciousness for so long that as we focus, some of our protector parts are going to come in and we may feel drowsy, we may feel dizzy, we may feel like we're distracted. It may be hard to focus. And so even telling those parts like we are safe, it's okay, I'm just getting curious, just looking, nothing can hurt us right now, and reminding ourselves to come back and pay attention. So this is a mindfulness practice, and when our thoughts float away or disengage or get drowsy or dizzy or our body has something, no judgment, those are our protectors. I usually thank mine. I say, thank you. I can feel you protecting me. I have the tools I need to be safe. I won't go any further than we feel safe with. Right now, I'm just getting to know you all. And I'll bring my attention back. And when I was first learning to do this, I had to do this sometimes every two or three seconds. I'm safe. It's okay to get curious. And I would bring my attention back to the target. And then eventually my protectors would kick in again, usually every couple of seconds. I was so defensive inside my body. And I would even catch myself like judging myself for doing that and having to remind all these protectors, we are safe. It is safe to focus our attention here. So some of the phrases I would use to remind myself are there are no bad parts. All the parts are welcome here. And I am strong enough and healthy enough to handle whatever comes up. That was one of them. Can I allow myself space to let the part that is emerging be there? This was a question I would sometimes ask myself to see how prepared my protectors felt to let me get in touch with this part. So I would say, is there space? for me to let this emerging part come up. And sometimes just reminding myself I'm making space for all of my parts would let my protectors relax enough to get to know whatever the target was and to bring that into consciousness. But sometimes I would definitely feel inside of myself, no, there is no space. And I would change my target at that point. If I got a strong no, I cannot allow myself space for this. I now knew that my new target was whatever part of me was saying no and feeling very threatened by getting to know this part. And I would change my focus then to that part and just allow myself to sit with that part and help it feel safe. So that's one of the beautiful things about this practice is at first, we may be focusing on one target, but as protectors come in to try to protect certain parts of us that feel too painful or too tender, we may change our target to whatever the voice is that is giving us the loudest resistance. And then we sit with that part, with curiosity, without judgment, and we just create safe space for it to tell us whatever it wants to or feel safe enough to tell us at that point. 
Now, once we've focused on that for a while and we feel the space open up and we feel that part of ourselves sort of starting to relax into the space, we feel connected. There isn't as much pushback from different protectors. We move to the third F, which is flesh out. As we create space for this part of us to feel welcome and safe enough to reveal itself, it's going to start giving us more information. We'll become aware of bodily sensations, emotions, and thoughts that come with this part of ourselves. And we may also get mental images of things as we focus on this part. So, for instance, there were parts of myself that gave me the mental image of a memory where I clearly knew what age I was, what was going on, what I felt, what the emotion was that this part of myself carried around the most what my needs were, but there were other parts of myself that were a little more difficult to pinpoint. One of the parts of myself gave me the mental image of a wolf, and when I sat down to draw whatever came to mind, and that is another wonderful thing you can do during the flesh-out stage, if you feel artistic at all, is choose the colors that feel associated with this part of you. And draw whatever comes to mind. Just allow yourself to kind of freestyle and draw. It doesn't have to be coherent. I had pictures that were just different shades of gray and black. I had pictures that were different shades of yellow. I had pictures that were indescribable blobs of different colors. But allowing myself to get imaginative and creative helps us tap into the self with a capital S, that compassionate, courageous, connected, and calm part of ourself that is able to help us heal all the other parts. So getting into that artistic, creative space helped me to trigger the self with a capital S and help the part feel safe enough to express maybe what I didn't have words for. And there were some of the parts of myself that I think were pre-verbal. And that's the reason they didn't have words, because the parts of ourself are frozen in time when the trauma happened. So there were parts of myself that still thought they were two. There were parts of myself, though, that didn't have words but they had colors, they had shapes, they had mental images, and I drew whatever came to mind and it allowed me to make sense of it and give it words because I think whatever this part was, it was stuck in a nonverbal age. And so by drawing it, that was the way for it to communicate with me because it didn't have words because I didn't have words at that age. Art can be a really helpful way of fleshing out who this part is, what they believe, what emotions they're carrying, what their worldview is, what their view of themselves is, and how it operates inside of us in our internal family system. So some of the things that this part may show us are a clear image of itself. It may generate a precise set of body sensations located in a specific part of the body. So I have a part of myself that lives in my shoulders. When it's in an unhealthy pattern, I feel it in my shoulders and it radiates up the back of my neck. 
It's a, a deep tension that happens right there. And this part of myself is perfectionistic and overachieving and feels like they have to save the world. They're responsible for everything. And so it carries all this tension here. So when I start feeling that tension, I know that that is a part of myself that is starting to feel overly responsible or like they need to be perfect in order to mitigate whatever painful feelings are coming up for my exile that that part of me protects. So when I start feeling the tension in my shoulders, when I start feeling like my neck is really stiff, I can sit quietly and say, hey, I notice you are feeling really overburdened. What's going on? And allowing that part of me to feel noticed, validated, recognized, and also safe enough to talk with me about what is going on and why they feel like they need to go into protector mode. It teaches me so much about myself and it helps these parts of myself feel like they're important and they're seen and that they're less alone. They don't have to carry this burden all by themselves. Another thing that the parts might start to provide to you during the flesh out stage is they might start to provide you with memories. So maybe they don't give you a clear version of who you are, but maybe they start to give you memories of what happened when that part was created. It's interesting because one of my parts, what happened is as it started to give me more information about itself, I had the distinct smell of camphophonique. And I don't know if you know what camphophonique is, but it was something that my grandmother used to put on my scrapes. So when I would scrape myself or, you know, scuff my skin when I was running around and playing on her property, we would go in and she would put on camphophonique on my wound before she bound it with a bandage or whatever. And so there was a part of myself that had grandparent trauma that was really tender. And the thing it felt safest sharing with me at the very beginning was the smell of camphophonique. I didn't know what age I was. I didn't know anything else, but the smell of camphophonique, just allowing myself to focus on that and get curious about what that meant brought their images to my mind. So it brought to my mind this purple and white dress that I loved that I would never take off that my grandparents gave to me. And as I allowed it to give me clues, and this for me took weeks, this particular part of myself took weeks to fully reveal itself. I would get to the flesh out stage, and when I would move to the next stage, it would shut down. There was a protector that was like, nope, we're done. And I would respect that. I would say, okay, I can tell that we've reached the end of our session today. Thank you so much for what you shared with me. Would it be okay with you if I met with you again? I treated the parts inside of myself as if I were meeting with a client. I respected their consent. I respected their limits and their boundaries. And as I did that, they felt safe to open up a bit more. And so often I would say, is it okay if I meet with you again tomorrow? And often I would feel inside myself, yeah, that would be okay. 
And the more I showed myself that I would respect those boundaries, that I wouldn't push harder than the parts of me were ready, they felt safer and safer to open up. And so over several weeks, I was able to get to the root of the problem. I was able to recognize deep grief that I was holding over a loss with my grandparents. And it allowed me to process through that. But it took weeks for that part of myself to feel safe enough to tell me what was really going on. And it needed to trust me and know that I wasn't going to abandon that part, that I wasn't going to berate that part or gaslight that part. It wanted to know I was really going to listen before it was going to reveal those things to me. And you may have parts like that as well. And then these parts might also start to communicate by giving us messages. So we might be able to start asking these parts of ourselves questions and they may communicate back with thoughts or ideas about how they see the world and what they need. Now, like I said, at this point, you may feel resistance and that's okay. For many of us, this may be the first time we've become aware of this part of ourselves. And as we welcome it home, there may be other parts that aren't happy or letting it in. This often happens when we're welcoming in exiles. Remember, they were kicked out of consciousness to protect the rest of us. So if you feel resistant, know that it isn't bad. You aren't doing anything wrong. You're getting more information, perhaps about the other parts of you that may need attention first, and that's okay. Remember, if we are working with a target and then we meet big resistance, that's a protector. And it's okay for us to shift our target from whatever it is we're working with to the protector. It's okay for us to say, wow, you really have strong feelings about this. Help me understand who you are. And we sit with them and we create safe space for them to trust us. We always work with our protectors first. Our protectors are parentified child versions of us. They feel responsible for protecting these more sensitive parts of us, these more traumatized parts of us. They're like older siblings that are protecting the babies in our family. And if they feel threatened by you, They will not give you access to those more tender parts. So we work with them first and we gain their trust first and we let them know that they're safe first so that they feel safe enough stepping aside and giving you time with your exiles and allowing you to help and to integrate those wounded child parts of you back into your life. So any resistance or any blocks that you're feeling That is exciting because it is a protector part of you letting you know that it's there and it gives you a chance to work with them. All right, if all goes well in this first stage, then we move to stage two. And the second phase is all about feeling toward this part. It's really gauging what emotions are coming up as you're welcoming this part of you into your life as you're bringing it into awareness. This is a great chance for the protectors, both the managers and the firefighters to make themselves known. So during this time, you'll ask yourself, how am I feeling toward this part? And give yourself time and space to become aware 
of the myriad of feelings that you may have toward this part of you. You may have one part of you that feels really annoyed by this tender part. And you may have another part of you that feels really anxious. Notice what feelings come up as you think about this part of you. And the answers to this question are going to reveal whether you have enough self-energy to continue with the other two Fs. And remember, the self is going to feel calm, connected, compassionate, creative. It's going to have clarity of thought. It'll be curious, confident, and courageous. Now, this gets a little tricky because sometimes when we tap into ourselves, we might hear phrases like, I feel sad. Now, I feel sad could be evidence of compassion, which is part of the self with a capital S. It's part of that essence of who we are before the trauma, before the attachment wounds. But it could also be a type of judgment. So keep asking questions and patiently listen for answers until you're clear about what the expressions the parts are telling you mean. When someone says, I feel sad, I might say, like, tell me what's making you sad. What's going on with that? You and I both know that I feel sad can be sort of a low-key judgment. We were taught that it's not okay to say we're angry, that it's not okay to overtly judge someone. And so we use phrases like, that makes me sad, or I worry for you. When really what we mean is, I'm judging you. I think you're doing something wrong. I don't like you. I don't like your choices. And we can sometimes use the same language with our inner parts of ourselves as well. We might not feel completely comfortable just outright telling them that we're judging them. And so we might use more underhanded language like, I feel sad. Or, I'm worried for this part of myself. So just keep asking yourself questions until you're really clear about what the feeling actually is and what's meant by that feeling. Some of the other unclear things that can come up are, I don't know. So when I ask myself, how do I feel about this part of myself? Sometimes I'll hear, you know, I don't know. So sometimes I don't know is evidence of openness and curiosity. Like I don't have preconceived notions. I'm open to learning more. But sometimes it's a sense of disinterest. Openness and curiosity are going to allow us to move forward with self-energy, where disinterest means that a protector part has stepped in and the self isn't available at this point. So if we're trying to cut off interest or connection with this part of ourselves by saying, I don't know, if we're trying to dismiss this part of us, our self with a capital S is not available to us right now. The protector has taken the driver's wheel. And it's saying, no, this isn't safe. We are shutting this down. We're going to shut down curiosity. We're going to shut down openness. We're not comfortable with connecting with this part of ourselves. So I don't know could also mean that we don't have the words for what we're experiencing or we're not entirely sure what it is. Remember, I told you that there were parts of myself that I believe were pre-verbal. They didn't have words. And these parts of myself would sometimes say, I don't know, because they didn't have words for what they experienced and they didn't have words for their feelings. So 
Sometimes sitting down and drawing with the I don't knows can be really helpful. Sometimes they can tell me in pictures or in memory sequences or in smells or in sounds, things that they couldn't tell me in words. Another thing that is sometimes attached to I don't know when we don't have the words or we're not sure what's going on, sometimes it's an embarrassment protector part that's stepped in. It's saying I don't know as a way to save face. So just check and see, is there embarrassment here? Do you need more time to flesh this out? And again, talk to them like you're talking to someone you're trying to create a safe, secure relationship with. Okay, if you need more time, you get all the time you need. There's no rush here. And I'm here to hear your thoughts. And it's okay to get it wrong. We'll explore this together until you feel comfortable with the result and we'll go at your pace. So continue to ask yourself questions. If I don't know comes up, am I feeling embarrassed for not having the answer? Am I feeling disinterested? Like I just don't want to go there. I want to detach. Or am I just feeling open? Like I'm open to learning. I don't know all the answers. Another phrase you might hear your inner self say as you're asking the question of how do you feel about this part, you might hear yourself say something like, I feel nothing or I feel neutral. And this could indicate neutrality, right? Like a sense of calm that comes from the self. But I like to push back on I feel nothing or I feel neutral a little bit because I think sometimes this feels a little bit like politeness, and often there are feelings underneath the surface. So I spend some time with neutrality. If I hear I feel nothing or I feel neutral, I spend some time with that and just see, are there any other emotions underneath the surface here? If I'm not feeling calm underneath the surface, it usually means that another part has stepped in and wants to feel nothing. So If you hear yourself say, you know, I don't feel anything or I feel neutral, sit with it. Continue to get curious with it. Continue to focus. And what's going to happen is either you're going to feel like, yeah, I'm completely calm. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm open. I'm ready to move on to the next two steps. Or I'm going to start getting more and more and more uncomfortable with the focus being on that I feel nothing. And when that happens, when I start feeling myself tighten up, as I get curious with that, I feel nothing or I feel neutral, I know that there's a protector part there that wants to feel nothing, wants to close the chapter of this book and move on. They don't want us to inspect further because they feel threatened. So again, just something to get curious with. So if we feel like after asking ourselves these questions that we're in a space of self, remember, self is calm connection, compassion, creativity, clarity, curiosity, confidence, and courage. If we feel like we're in that space, then we can proceed to the next two Fs. If there's not enough self-energy, we then have two options. So first, we can either kindly ask the part that is standing in the way to step back. We can say, hey, I see you're trying to protect me. Could you move over to the side? Because I really want to talk to this part. I promise I will be kind and compassionate. Can you move over to the side so that I can speak with this part and connect with it? And if that part moves over to the side, we can say, 
How do I feel towards the target now that this part has stepped back? So we can kind of separate this part off to the side. We're not kicking it out. We're just saying, hey, you don't have to do this job right now. Let me spend some time with this part. Now, this reminds me a lot of working with like siblings. I don't know if you've ever had this experience as a parent where you have a child that often tries to parent the other children. And it's basically sitting with them and saying, hey, you just get to be a kid. I'm the mom. I'll take care of this. You get to relax. You just get to be a kid. You don't have to parent right now. And giving them permission to like take off the protective roles and just go be a kid. So this is what we're doing with the protector parts is we're saying, hey, you can take a break. And we give them permission to step back. Now, sometimes they will and we can move forward with feeling into how do we feel about this part of ourselves now that the protector has stepped to the side. But I will say as you're beginning to make contact, more often than not, what's going to happen is your protector won't do it. And in this case, we then make that part, the protector part, the new target. And we go back to step one and spend time creating safe space to get to know this part of ourselves. Now, if we do have enough self-energy, we can move into the next two Fs. The third phase is where we're starting to build the relationship and really befriending this part of ourselves and getting to know what they're afraid of. We're trying to create a two-way relationship between ourself and the part. We've established that the self is there and it's ready to get to know the part, but we don't know if the part is ready and willing to communicate with us. So during this phase, we're going to ask questions like, is this part aware of you? Like, is this part aware that there is a self observing it or trying to make connection? Is this part willing to connect right now? And allow time and space for the relationship to blossom organically and at a pace that the part feels comfortable with. Remember, we're building an actual relationship here. Even though the work is imaginary, the relationship is real. So treat it that way. Treat this part of you with kindness and respect. Give it space. Allow it to have boundaries. Allow it to give consent. And allow it to reveal itself to you at a pace that feels safe for it. The cool thing is, just a side note, as we practice creating these relationships with our parts, we actually get better at creating relationships with people outside of ourselves. We become better friends. We become more curious with other people. We become more compassionate and more tolerant and all the things that allow us to connect better with people outside of ourselves in the real world. So look at this as relationship practice. We're connecting with all these different pieces of ourselves. It makes us so much more cohesive as a person. It makes us more compassionate and kind to ourselves and also more aware and accountable. But all of this helps us connect with others so much better. Now, during the befriending stage, some of the questions I love to ask as the parts feel safer with me and I can feel them like relaxing and opening up is asking them like, how did you get your job? What is your job? And how did you get this job? 
and I'll ask it things like, do you like your job? Would you do your job any other way if you could? If you didn't have to do this job, is there something else you would like to do? And then I ask things like, how old are you? And this one is really telling, how old do you think I am? Some of my parts believed that I was still a child, that I was still in a place of vulnerability. And it was working so hard to protect my adult self because it thought we were still in danger. And just knowing that these parts thought I was still young allowed me to have compassion for them and to be able to sit with them and reparent them. Now, the other questions I like during this stage have to do with fear. And this question I find is so important, asking the part of ourself, what are you afraid will happen if you stop doing your job the way you do it? So like asking the anxious parts of myself, what are you afraid will happen if you stop feeling anxious? What are you afraid will happen if you stop emotionally eating? What are you afraid will happen if you let people into your life and you took down the armor? What are you afraid will happen if you quit trying to be perfect? What are you afraid will happen if you don't achieve all the things? Allowing ourselves to sit with those questions and hear what these parts of ourselves tell us is one of the most beautiful and sometimes heartbreaking experiences I think we can have with ourselves. Hearing these child parts of ourselves say, if I'm not perfect, no one will love me. Or if I don't achieve all the things, then my mom's sacrifice wasn't worth it. I have to prove to my mom that giving birth to me was worth it. Heartbreaking. Also, it tells us what our wounds are and how we can care for these parts of ourselves. And once a relationship is established, we're in a position to ask two key questions to the protector. The first one is, what do you achieve by doing your job? So I like asking them, that's a really interesting job. What happens because you do your job? What do you achieve by doing that? And just listen to what they tell you. And like I said, the other question is, what are you scared would happen if you stopped doing your job? These two questions, what are you achieving by doing your job? And what are you afraid would happen if you stopped doing your job? Gives you so much information about the care that your inner part needs, but also about the behaviors you're engaging in, it makes things make sense. So for instance, about four years ago, five years ago, I was doing parts work and I was trying to work with a behavior that really wouldn't let me work out consistently past two weeks. I would go and I would work out and I would do great and I felt good. And then about two weeks in, I would sabotage. Now, there's a history in my family of neurological problems. And one of the things my doctor was telling me is, if you will work your body and stretch your body consistently, 
your risk of having these neurological problems goes down significantly. And if I could start now eating healthy and really moving my body regularly, not only would it help with the depressive symptoms, but it would also help with the possibility of neurological problems as I aged. So I was really wanting to do this. And I kept noticing over a course of like six months, I'd work out for two weeks and then I would do something That would make me get out of my workout routine. And it was always two weeks, two weeks doing great, feeling good. And then something would happen, throw me off of my schedule and my routine. It would take me about a month. I would beat myself up, get myself back to the gym, feel good for two weeks, and we would repeat the cycle over and over again. And one of the things I've learned is when a cycle repeats, there's something going on. There's usually a part at play. And so I did some work with the part that was stepping in and sabotaging things at two weeks and made safe space for it and listened to it. And I remember right at about the two-week mark after spending two weeks really making space for it, getting to know it, trying to understand what it looked like and fleshing out the character, I remember asking it before we went to the gym, these questions, what do you achieve by sabotaging my progress working out? And I distinctly remember as I was walking into the gym, hearing this part of myself say, you can't get too in shape because if you do, you won't fit in your family. I remember talking with this part of myself and saying, are you telling me that your job is to sabotage me becoming too healthy because you're afraid I might be abandoned or rejected if I become too healthy. And the part of myself said yes. And just allowing myself to understand that this wasn't a lack of willpower, this wasn't me being lazy or slothful or any of the things I'd been telling myself, the criticism I'd been telling myself for all of these years, This was my child self saying, in order to belong in my family, I can't be too in shape. I can't be too physically healthy because people like that don't fit in my family. And realizing that this part of me was sabotaging working out because to that part of me, belonging felt more important. Being accepted felt more important. And understanding if I got too physically healthy, it would trigger things inside of my parents that might make their own protectors come out to play and create even more tension in our relationship. And so it was so insightful to hear this part say, I sabotage you so that you can still have a family. I sabotage your workouts so that you still belong in your family. And once I heard that, I actually just went to a quiet place at the gym, sat with that part of myself, and let them know that no matter what, no matter how healthy or unhealthy we got, that that part would always belong to me. And I would always be there with that part of myself, that we weren't going to abandon ourselves. And that if we didn't take care of the parts of us, we would be abandoning our children. And our husband, who cared about us deeply. So 
pointing out to this part like we belong in these other places and it's safe. This new environment wants us to be healthy so that we can be around as long as possible. And if the worst happens, if our family of origin rejects us or feels threatened by us getting healthy, that we're adults and we can work through our feelings and we can deal with whatever comes up. And I had to talk with that part of myself probably for a good week before that part of myself was like, okay, I think I feel safe to continue to work out and to move my body and to try to feel healthier. Now, that doesn't mean that we just talk with the protector once and then all of the work has been done, but understanding the protector and what they're trying to accomplish and what they think gives us so much compassion. I mean, think about Has there ever been a person in your life that did something and you thought it was so rude or so thoughtless, but when you sat down with them and understood their thinking process and what was going on behind the scenes, suddenly you just had a flood of compassion for them and the judgment went away and you were able to like open up and like deepen your relationship and then problem solve with that person? The same thing happens with our parts. The more we can understand why they're doing the things they're doing, the more compassion we can have and the more we can start working with that part to correct their erroneous thinking and to help them feel safe and to modify their worldview so that they don't have to engage in the behaviors that are sabotaging us and the life we want to live. The cool thing is, is during this phase, as the part feels safer, it might change its behavior. It often changes its behavior, I should say. And it might reveal information it previously kept secret. So just like any relationship, when we feel safe with another compassionate person, we may reveal things about ourselves that we may previously have kept hidden. Your inner parts are going to do the same thing. Just as a recap before we wrap up today, we're looking to find a part to work with, either starting with a behavior or a feeling or tension in our body or something that feels like it's in or around us that just isn't us then we're going to focus our attention on that part. Quietly, mindfully allow our attention to focus on that part and get curious with it. And remember, there are no bad parts. Then next, we're going to flesh out the part. We're looking for mental images. We're looking for bodily sensations, emotions, or thoughts that come up with the part of ourselves so that we can really get to understand what this part is, what it looks like, what it feels like, how it thinks, how it presents itself. Then if that has gone well, we move into feel toward. And this is where we're getting curious about how we feel toward this part that we've identified. This is going to allow us to find our protectors, our managers, and our firefighters. If we get to a place where we feel like we have self-energy, meaning that we're feeling calm, connected, compassionate, creative, clear, curious, confident, or courageous toward this part of ourself, then we can move to the last two Fs, which are to befriend. I know, it's kind of a, they kind of fudged that one a little bit, right? The F for friend is supposed to be the F, but you know, it really starts with a B, but befriend. And this is how we're getting to know how this 
part of us feels about their job and how they got their job and how old they are and just really getting curious and getting to know this part. And then the sixth F is fear. What is this part afraid would happen if they stop doing their job? This is the exercise for this week. This is going to get better with practice. So give yourself permission to start practicing, to make mistakes, to get curious with the different parts of yourself, and just start opening up some space for these different parts to feel safe, to start revealing a little bit to you. The more we can accept those little bits that the parts give us with gratitude and with empathy and without judgment, just being curious, the more they'll reveal over time. And the better and better and better of a relationship you're going to build with yourself and the more cohesive you're going to feel and the more you're going to feel like you can overcome whatever obstacles come your way. And you're going to feel like you're not at war with yourself. You're going to feel like you're all on the same page. And when one of you isn't, that you have the relationship to be able to sit with them, listen to their thoughts, listen to their fears, and work with them to move past them. So this is my hope for all of us. I hope this was helpful for you. And I am looking forward to hearing your experiences as you work through the success with the parts of yourself. Please message me. Please post on the Facebook group. I'll be a little bit slow this week getting to comments because I am on a road trip with my family up the Pacific Coast Highway and I am doing a large part of the driving. So I am not on social media nearly as much. But if I don't get to all of your stories and questions this week, I definitely will next week. And I can't wait to hear what you say. I learned so much from you all. And I feel like my experience with healing is enriched by knowing I'm on the path with you all. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you next Sunday.